Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. Well, not quite. This is the 50th episode of Museum Archipelago, and I'm celebrating by compiling this message from listeners like you. I listen to Museum Archipelago uh, in Warsaw, Poland. I listen from Sofia, Bulgaria. I am currently riding on the East Bay bike path in Providence, which is often where I listen to Museum Archipelago. I listen while taking Caltrain to San Francisco. I listen to Museum Archipelago from the actual end of the earth in Hobart, Tasmania, Australia. I listen because I've always loved art and design, but I feel like there's a lot for me to learn about the institutions and the systems that determine the consumption and circulation side of it. I love to put on an episode when I'm taking a quick trip across the city. It's always just the right length for a commute, and it's a way to challenge myself to think about the museum field in a new way. I'm Carly. This is Irina. My name is Hannah Hethman. I'm the host of Museums in Strange Places. Anyway, I'm glad you exist. Happy 50th. Thanks so much for being a listener for these first 50 episodes. It really means a lot. If you still can't get enough, support the show directly by becoming a member of Club Archipelago on Patreon. You get access to a bonus podcast feed where I just posted a retrospective on the first 50 episodes of the show and how the podcast media and museum media landscapes have changed since the first episode. Now, on to the next 50. Let's really get started. The idea is to highlight the impact that writing can have on our culture and on our daily lives. My name is Allison Sansoni. I'm the program director here at the American Writers Museum. The American Writers Museum opened in May of 2017 on the second floor of a stately but nondescript building on Michigan Avenue. But the story of the museum begins decades ago, when the founder of the museum, Malcolm O'Hagan, immigrated to the United States from Ireland. He is a lover of literature and a fan of American writing. And after a visit back home to Ireland to the Irish Writers Museum in Dublin, he came back to D.C. and asked around about where the American Writers Museum might be. Hearing that we didn't have one, he said, I'll fix that. And uh, 10 years later, here we are. Those 10 years were filled with decisions about what to include in the museum and what to leave out. Malcolm made a couple of decisions that are very important in the design of the museum. The first was that we're to not make this an artifact-based space. Malcolm tells this great story about, uh, he's a docent at the Library of Congress, and he'll take people over to see the Gutenberg Bible. And it's in a glass case, so you can't touch it. It's in German, so you can't read it. People absorb a snippet of information about it, they take a selfie with it, and they leave. And so he really wanted this to be a place where people could really dive into writers and their works and and learn something. The other decision that was made really early on was to not have a single curator. We had more than 40 different subject matter experts from all across the country, from all different literary and ethnic backgrounds, from all different traditions, who over the course of seven years met and discussed and argued and debated about who should be in this museum and what themes should the museum address. You can see the work of these subject matter experts in the museum's largest exhibit, a long chronological timeline of a hundred significant authors of fiction and nonfiction called 
American Voices. They're not the 100 best or the 100 most important, but they're 100 people who have moved American literary traditions forward. So they have, they were important in the development of what we think of as the American identity and the American voice. Um, you have writers in that timeline from pre-colonial exploratory narratives all the way almost to the present day. Throughout it all, you know, there are, of course, names that you would expect to see there. You know, Mark Twain is there. Hemingway is there. Laura Ingalls Wilder is there. But so is Sophia Alice Callahan, the Native American novelist who is a contemporary of hers. And it begins in Spanish and it ends in Spanish because it starts with De Vaca, who is a Spanish explorer and wrote a, a narrative of very, very early North America. And it ends in Spanish with the great novelist Oscar Hijuelos, who wrote the Mambo Kings and Songs of Love. One of the thorny questions that they had to settle on was who is an American writer? So do you have to be born here? Do you have to have written in English? Do you have to have lived here your whole life? Um, you know, there are writers in this museum who don't fit those criteria. And so what makes them American? Well, it makes what makes them American is that they say that they are. They claim us, so we claim them right back. It was incredibly critical that this museum look like America and that it not be either an academic vision or a popular vision, that we not have that box. It's clear that the focus of the museum is on the words themselves. It's not the American Book Museum or the American Authors Museum. Aside from the American Voices Gallery, much of the rest of the museum is focused on the craft of writing and reading. There's a gallery called The Mind of a Writer, where visitors, mostly through interactives, scroll through insights into how writers think. So our Mind of a Writer gallery really focuses on the, the process of writing and the craft and how you write. Um, it's very, it's important to us to honor not just individual achievement, but also the work that went into that. It's, it's important to point out to people, especially to aspiring writers, that this wasn't there. These writers' achievements were not things that happened because they sprang full formed from their heads. You know, Jack Kerouac sat down and wrote on, typed on the road on a digital scroll that we have here in the museum. You can see the entire manuscript, but you can also see his editing marks where he crossed things out. He changed his mind. He moved things around. The writers had to work at this, and we wanted to be able to, to honor that work. I'm tickled about the focus on words and the process of writing. The gallery manages to honor the craft of writing while not putting it out of reach to a museum visitor. There's an exhibit called Story of the Day, which is made up of typewriters, chairs, and at the beginning of the day, a single opening line. Visitors are instructed to write the next line and then the next throughout the day. Story of the Day, which is our typewriter exhibit with where people can continue other people's stories. That initially had started out as a giant scroll of paper on which people wrote in pencil suspended from the ceiling. And so it they have, it obviously looks very different now. Part of the, the joy of that interactivity is that it takes activities that are very solitary, you know, reading and writing. We think of the author alone in his garret with his candle, you know, and his quilt pen working by himself. And you see the reader alone with her book. You know, what our story of the day exhibit allows people to do, what the featured works tables and our wordplay tables allow people to do is to make reading and writing about community, to enjoy words together. This is how we encounter each other in the world. We read and we write now more than we ever have. 
we don't think about it a lot because it's done on something like this. It's, you know, it's done on a device or it's done on a tablet, but that's writing and that's reading. And so to be able to use that to connect with each other is, I think, a very powerful thing about that gallery. Some modern museums go out of their way to present as little text as possible with the assumption that visitors won't read it. At the American Writers Museum, believe it or not, there's a lot of text. So if you're the sort of person who reads every word on the wall of a museum, you're going to be here a while. Yeah. Uh, but we think that's a good thing. The craft of actually writing the museum is something that took a great deal of time. We approached it with a lot of respect for the writer's works. We didn't want to be, we didn't want to trivialize. You know, we figured really early on that this museum would attract readers, that would that it would attract people who loved words. And so we weren't afraid to challenge visitors with, you know, maybe a little bit more information than they might be getting from, you know, from their, their typical museum visit. And with the American Writers Museum's broad definition of writing, there's no reason that the gallery text itself couldn't be featured in a future edition of the museum. And that's kind of neat. This has been Museum Archipelago. If you like episodes like this one, help me continue doing the podcast and get some fun benefits by joining Club Archipelago at patreon.com slash museumarchipelago. For more information or to submit feedback, visit museumarchipelago.com or museum underscore go on Twitter. Next time, bring a friend. <laughs>